we just got back from Kansas Thursday after two and a half weeks on vacation, so my mind's kind of scattered, and Amanda will attest that I've been running in overdrive the last few days. So I'm going to go ahead and pray again so that we can get focused, or that I can get focused. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us again. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this time that we have together this evening. Just help me to focus. Give me the words to say, to speak, and may we glorify you this evening. In your precious name, amen. In June of this summer, my family and I went to the Redwoods, Avenue of the Giants. And the, one of the most important things when you're camping is what you're going to eat. It's always one of the most important One of the most important things. We had this old Coleman cooler because, of course, how you cool your food and how you keep it edible is with a cooler. Well, the Coleman cooler we had is an old one. The, the insulation on top's only about this high, about that thick. And we put all of our meat in it, all the food in it, and then we got one of those large bags of ice from Costco for about four bucks. Well, we went up and we stayed in Vallejo. We spent the night in Vallejo, and the next morning I went to take that cooler and I picked it up, and I was sticking on top of the pilot, of our pilot, and all of a sudden, all this water gushes out of the top, pours on me, pours on Amanda. Alexia's freaking out, crying, because all this water's falling on her. See, that ice in that cheap cooler, it all melted. And so it was all just water and mush coming out. This cooler that was supposed to keep that ice preserved melted all the ice. And so for the next several days when we're camping, I'm kind of worried about the food we're eating. And two days into the camping trip, I pull open the lid. And you know those biscuit canisters where you, you pop them and the biscuit comes out and then you cook it? Well, the cooler opened it for me. <laughs> I look down and the cooler canisters completely open and there's just nastiness gushing out of it into the water, mixed into the water. And that was the extent of the fun of that cooler. And so the next few weeks, I'm looking and I'm researching ice coolers, and I'm seeing how expensive they are. But see, if somebody tells me ice chests are expensive, I tell them so is salmonella. <laughs> and see, some cultures still today, they use salt to preserve the meat, to preserve the food, and we use coolers. Aren't the words that we use like that cooler scenario? The words we use are meant, God has meant communication, our words, to preserve, to preserve relationships, to preserve people as we speak those words. But often the words we use melt people down to the very spirit, down to the very soul of a person with the words that we use. The Apostle Paul in our passage tonight, it's Ephesians 4.29. He says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The Apostle Paul was saying, stop feeding others rotting meat. Feed them words salted with grace. See, there's an old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt. 
what a bunch of rubbish. What a bunch of rubbish. Because Paul is telling us here that our talk and our speech can be corrupting. What does rotting meat look like? By the way, I put up this slide. This slide was in my slideshow before the barbecue promotion. I didn't put that up after, so how is this a promotion for a barbecue? That's what rotting meat looks like. Have you ever had anybody tell you words that made you feel like you just ate this? Our words can be like rotting meat to a person's spirit. Salt your words with grace. Because our spoken words, they can tear down or they can build up. Several months ago, I was helping Alexia put her clothes away. I was trying to get her to put her clothes away. She's not even four yet, but I'm expecting her to be able to put her clothes away like I do. Well, it's taking her a really long time, and so I'm getting frustrated. And so I tell her, I say, Alexia, you're worthless at putting your clothes away. And as I said that, it was as if I had an outer body experience and I saw those words come out of my mouth in slow motion. It was like I was a matrix. And the words coming from my mouth were like slow bullets aimed right at my daughter. See, the words that we say, we can't take them back. The words that we say, we can't take them back. Winston Churchill once said, We are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let slip out. Treat your words as gifts. They can't be taken back. They can tear down or they can build up. God gave us words to preserve things. He was the first to speak words among the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was the first to creation was through words. He revealed himself through the word. It's through words that we know who God is. And we are to use words to preserve things. But then in Genesis 3, Satan comes in. And then there's corruption through words. We can use words to, to build somebody up. Or we can use them to tear them down. Satan brought words of corruption, but we are to use words salted with grace. Words can build up, or they can tear down. See, words can also, spoken words can build up. I was in AG, Arroyo Grande. I was uh, that area where there's the suspended bridge, and then you have all the roosters, and you can feed the roosters. And I was with my kids, and we were feeding the roosters, and this older gentleman walked by with, with a puppy dog. And my kids, when they see somebody's dog, they're over there and they're just chit-chatting and they're meeting, meeting this dog and they're talking to this gentleman. And, and he turns to me and he says, I'm a counselor. I'm a relationship counselor. He says, your kids articulate very well. And if your kids articulate very well, that means you and your spouse are communicating well. You see, those spoken words built me up. Those are words salted with grace. Because often in the chaos of parenting, as many of you know, we don't know if we're doing it right. It's chaos. 
and we question if we're doing it right. And those words of encouragement from somebody builds us up. Those were words salted with grace. Sometimes the words that build us up, they may not be words that we even want to hear. They may be words that seem like they tear us down, but they actually build us up. I remember years ago, uh, there was an estate issue with, after my father passed away. And I remember my friend, I remember this conversation I had with him vividly in my mind. We were dr- I was driving west in downtown Phoenix. I had him on speakerphone. I wasn't talking on the phone. I had him on the speakerphone. And I was complaining. I was angry and I was bitter towards somebody. And I had every reason to be angry at this person. And my friend told me what I needed to hear. He said, if you don't forgive, it'll tear you apart. Those were words I did not want to hear, but I needed to hear them. See, those words eventually, they built me up because I learned how hard forgiveness can be, but how important it is. Our spoken words, they can tear down or they can build up. Well, maybe you don't have problems with speaking gossip or having a potty mouth or cussing or whatever it is through your spoken words, but maybe it's through your unspoken words. See, unspoken words can also tear down or build up. See, that's my problem. I'm what you would call a passive-aggressive. I kind of stuffed stuff down and I don't really show it often. I, I grew up this way. My dad kind of stuffed down his feelings, and so that's the way I grew up, and so I kind of stuffed the feelings down. It's kind of like I got this pour-over coffee maker for camping. And what you do is you put your cup here, and then you put some coffee grounds on the inside. And then you take some hot water, and you slowly pour it over the grounds, and eventually the coffee comes through into the cup. But if you pour the hot coffee too fast, Eventually, it overflows because what it does is it starts bubbling up and overflows. See, often I can be like this coffee filter. I can filter things all right down here, but eventually stuff starts to overflow, and I don't just get mad. I get really angry because I'm stuffing it down. Many of us can be like that. And see, I'm not preaching a don't stop cussing, don't have a potty mouth, watch what you speak sermon, because what it really comes down to is what's in here. It really comes down to what's in our hearts. That's what it comes down to. And there's stuff going on in here in all of us. I'm not trying to preach a don't cuss, don't have a potty mouth sermon. It's just that our spoken words and our unspoken words can tear down and they can build up. So salt your words with grace. There's been times when we've just stood by and we've watched evil occur without speaking a word. Those unspoken words can tear down as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, during World War II, he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Martin Luther King Jr. said pretty much the same thing when it came to the civil rights movement. That if you were not speaking up against this racist evil, against this hatred, You were an accessory to this hatred. Not to speak was as powerful as to speak. Our unspoken words can tear down. See, marriage only works when there's communication. 
Marriage only works when we're willing to speak when we need to speak. Unspoken words, though, they can also build up. See, Job's friends were great friends until they opened their mouths. If you have a friend who's suffering, who's struggling with something, don't go in there all the time and open your mouth. Don't tell them about how you had this experience. Don't tell them about you know somebody else that has this experience because often what they just need is they just need you to be there. Just your presence alone can do wonders. Those unspoken words, you just being there, can build them up. So our unspoken words, they can tear down and they can build up. So salt your words with grace. My, my boys, they're like Tonka trucks. They like to just, they, they want to talk about stuff, and they're just spewing just so much talk out of their mouths, and we're, I'm trying to like sit there, and I'm trying to listen to what they're saying, and I try to, I'm, sometimes I'm so self-centered that I'm so busy that I, I feel like I have to tell them to stop, 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 but often I need to have unspoken words, and I need to listen to them, because if I listen to them once in a while, then they're going to feel that, yes, daddy finds what I'm saying important. Those unspoken words at that moment build them up. So our unspoken words can tear down and they can build up. Well, maybe you don't have a problem with the way you speak. Maybe you don't have a problem with the way you don't speak. But do any of you get on Facebook? Do you text message friends? Do you email? Well, in this day and age, our written words are important. God revealed himself through written words. And our written words can tear down or they can build up. November 29th, 2016, Brandy Vela stood against the wall in her bedroom with a gun to her chest. Her parents standing there pleading with her not to take her own life. But she took it right in front of her family. See, for months, two suspects who were eventually arrested this past March, they stalked her online. Cyberbullying. They set up up fake accounts on Facebook. They called her all sorts of names. They hacked into certain things, and they just stalked her, and they stalked her, and they stalked her until eventually it got to her. See, those written words, they tore somebody down to the point of them taking their own life. Sticks and stones, what rubbish. And just recently, more on the news, have you heard about Michelle Carter, 20-year-old Michelle Carter? She was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She was texting her boyfriend, egging him on to kill himself. It even came to a point where he got out of the car, which he was gassing himself in, and he texts her and he says, I don't know if I can go through with this. And she says, finish it, finish it. Those written words tore down. Dr. Martin Wild, cyber safety expert, says that cyberbullying is poised to turn into the biggest online concern, already affecting up to 35% of all children. Children spend, on average, about 17 hours a week online. 
This raises the question of freedom of speech. What does this do with freedom of speech? See, the ACLU went after this case and they said she should not have been found guilty because they were just words. Words don't matter. She has a right to send those words to somebody else. See, but the problem is, is we can only regulate things to a certain level, but we can't regulate sin. But to say that words do not mean anything is rubbish. Written words do have power. When you're posting on Facebook, remember that you can't take that back. Have you ever sent an email to somebody and you thought you were only sending it to them and you accidentally click reply all? And all your coworkers or all your family sees it and you're really embarrassed? Well, when you post on Facebook or when you post on Twitter, it's out there as a reply all. Everybody sees it. And you can't take it back. Because now we don't actually go to somebody face-to-face and tell them the issue that we have with them. We blog about them. This guy's a jerk. I'm, I don't like this guy. I disagree with him. And then we show the whole world how much of a jerk we are. The words that we write down and we send out on the internet is a big reply all for everybody. And people from outside the church are looking. And what's bad is often it's us within the body because Paul in Ephesians 4, that's the context, is the body of Christ. And how we are to talk with one another. And when we're bashing each other on Facebook or whatever platform it is, people are seeing that. And we're tearing down instead of building up. Try building up instead. When you send an email, build someone up. Encourage somebody. When you're on Facebook, encourage others. Use it as a platform to build others up. Salt your written words with grace. I had kind of a little conflict with a coworker through email, which email is such a great way to accomplish, to get, get over conflict, right? I talked to him on the phone that evening, and we apologized to each other for the way we were talking on email. And it was a reconciliation that doesn't happen on email. If you have an issue with somebody, talk to them. Don't just do it through internet or through email. But even if you don't get online, even if that's something you never, you don't even know what Facebook is, I bet you your grandkids are on it. I bet you your children are on it. You need to be aware of how much time people spend on it and how they're influenced by the technology that we have today. It's easy to talk smack online, but face-to-face is difficult. See, that's why pornography spiked so high. Because back in the days, y'all had to go into a store. And when you bought the magazine, you had to stare stare at somebody face to face. And there was shame. But we've kind of swept shame under the rug. Because now all you have to do is click a button and nobody sees. And that shame is a way. So now we can go ahead and bash whoever we want through the written words that we post. Because there's no shame in that, is there? Our written words can tear down 
or they can build up. The Holy Spirit's waging war in our hearts. When you understand, you've got to question your motivation of why are you emailing somebody? Why are you texting somebody the way you are? Why are you posting stuff on Facebook the way you are? You have to question your motivation behind it. Question your motivation because your written words can tear down. Salt your words with grace. How do we work on this communication problem that we have because of sin? It's funny because when I, go th- when I look through all the topics that I want to talk about, it all comes back to something. This is funny because Pastor Greg touched on this at the end of his sermon this morning. It's kind of a common thread right through what I'm, what I'm talking about now. And that is I constantly go back to the topic of thankfulness. It's funny that thankfulness is actually the antidote to bad communication. I'm not talking about just the tactics of how we speak to one another. I'm not just talking about methods, but I'm talking about the underlying motivation is why we speak and unspeak and why we write the way we do to others. And I believe that thankfulness is how we get rid of the way we talk with one another. It was interesting in Colossians, as Pastor Greg is reading this, it hit me this morning that in verse 15, Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Isn't that funny? And be thankful. And in Ephesians 4, you skip over just a little bit over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.4, the Apostle Paul says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, But instead, let there be thanksgiving. To be thankful in the gospel. To have gratitude for what we've been given. To be thankful for the gospel that Jesus Christ died in our place on the cross. To be thankful that he spoke some of the most building words to redeem mankind. And those words were, it is finished. To be thankful that even though we were enemies of God, he showed his love by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. And when we focus and we're grateful and we focus on who God is and what he's done in our lives, it affects all of our life down to the way we speak, down to the way that we don't speak, and to the ways we write one another. I read this this morning, so it's not on the slides. It's about John Wesley. And the thing is, is we have, to, we have to focus. And as Pastor Greg said this morning, it's about focusing on who Jesus is, who God is, and what they've done in our lives. You see, Paul doesn't say just put off. He says put on as well. Because if we just try to put off, if we just say thou shalt not covet and we leave it at that, we will fail. We will fail. We have to focus on something better. Thomas Chalmers called it the expulsive power of a new affection. We have to not just get rid and say no to something. We have to replace it with something else. Anyways, this depressed and homeless man came to John Wesley To inquire what message he gave to the multitudes of hearers he regularly addressed, morning and evening, 
Wesley replied, you ask what I would do with them. I would make them virtuous and happy, easy in themselves and useful to others. Whither would I lead them? To heaven, to God the judge, the lover of all, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant. What religion do I preach? The religion of love. The law of kindness brought to light by the gospel? What is this good for? To make all who receive enjoy God and themselves to make them like God, lovers of all, contented in their lives, and crying out to they death in calm assurance, O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God who giveth me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. He says nothing about there about avoiding sin. Everything's pointed to the cross. To be thankful in who God is. To be intoxicated with who God is. The late Dallas Willard called it the God intoxication. To be so intoxicated with God that nothing else matters. You don't even have to think about not doing or speaking those words. Because you're so intoxicated with who God is. Our spoken words and our unspoken words and our written words can tear down And they can build up. If we are intoxicated with who God is, we pray. We meditate on God's word, his spoken word to reveal who he is. We're to meditate on what he's done for us. Be thankful for what he's done for us. So in person, salt your words with grace. In your text messages, salt your word with grace. On Facebook, salt your words with grace. Have I said it enough? Salt your words with grace.